Let's open the Scriptures this morning to the book of Exodus. In the first place, a few verses from Exodus chapter 12, and then Psalm 34, a few verses. Our text will come as mentioned from the Gospel of John, where we read about the bones of Jesus as He's being crucified and that the, His bones are not broken. And there's a background for that comment in John's Gospel in Exodus 12 and Psalm 34. So page 70, page top of page 70 in the Pew Bible, we'll read verses 43 to 51. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones." All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, and on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. We turn now to the book of Psalms, Psalm 34, page 589, 589. Beginning at verse 19 through the end. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned." I invite you to turn with me in the Gospel of John to chapter 19, John 19, page 1153. We're going to focus on verse 36, I'd just like to read verses 31 through 37 to set the context a little bit. Verse 31, since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken. That'd be the legs of the three crucified, including Jesus, and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first 
and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another Scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So we'll be looking at verse 36 about those bones. In response to the preaching, we'll sing from Psalm 38, or rather 34. Psalm 34, stanza 8. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord's Supper, of course, we remember the suffering and death of our Savior. But our text this morning contains a fact that may raise some eyebrows among us. Roman soldiers were sent out by Pilate to break the legs of the three crucified men so that they, their death would come more speedily. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, and they did not break his legs. And then John, the gospel writer, explains it this way, for these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. So this wasn't random, that by the time the soldiers got to the cross, Jesus was already dead and didn't need to have his legs broken. This was orchestrated by God so that the earlier Scripture would be fulfilled. And we, we might wonder, why? Like, what is it about these bones? What's so special about Jesus' bones? I mean, think about all the suffering he endured, right? He had been spit upon. He had been beaten with fists, black and blue. He had been severely whipped by Roman soldiers. He would have been a bloody pulp by the time he actually was crucified. And then, of course, he was physically nailed to the cross where he eventually gave up his life to death. I mean, was all of that suffering not equal to or, or maybe even more than the simple breaking of a bone? I mean, some of you probably have broken bones, right? Maybe a broken arm or a broken leg or a collarbone or something like that. I mean, what is it about Jesus' bones that God would not allow even a single one to be broken? And what significance does that have for the celebration of the Lord's Supper? Well, I hope to explain it to you as I bring you this word of the Lord under this theme, not one of his bones will be broken. We'll take a look at a complete sacrifice and then how this pictures a complete salvation. John tells us that in Jesus' bones not being broken, Scripture is fulfilled, he says, but he doesn't tell us which passage. The footnote in our ESV Bibles refers us to Exodus 12, which we read, verse 46. 
That verse is almost repeated in Numbers chapter 9, verse 12, but we also read similar words from Psalm 34, verse 20. And people have wondered and tried to figure out, okay, which one is John referring to? Like, which scripture does he have in mind? And the thing is, when you compare John's quotation to either Exodus 12 or Psalm 34, neither is an exact match. So it seems that John borrows words from both passages and, and blends the thoughts together. That means that we don't really need to choose one or the other, but see that Jesus' death fulfills both scriptures, Exodus 12 and Psalm 34. Not one of his bones will be broken. Now, in Exodus 12, the context there refers to the sacrificial lamb of the Passover. On the night when Israel was freed from Egypt, the Passover lamb had to be killed, its blood sprinkled, as you know, on the doorframe of every home. That blood was critical, for on that night God would send His angel through the land to kill all the firstborn sons in every household in Egypt, except the households that had blood painted on the doorway. Those households and only those the angel of death would pass over. And that taught the Israelites in no uncertain terms that their lives were no better than the Egyptian lives. Israelites would also be killed unless they sacrificed a lamb as a substitute. That was their only possible escape. The lamb's blood for their son's blood. The lamb instead of them. And that lamb, says God in Exodus 12, could not have any of its bones broken. The meat was to be taken off of the bone after it had been uh, cooked, and then the meat had to be eaten, but the bones could not be broken at any point in this process. Its structure had to be kept intact. This was part of the symbolism. The lamb chosen for the sacrifice had to be free from any blemish. We read that earlier in that chapter. It couldn't have any sickness, no injury, no lameness. It had to be whole. It had to be perfect. And even, in, even when it was sacrificed, like when a lamb was sacrificed in the regular um, system of the tabernacle, its bones could not be crushed, broken, or cracked. We want to ask, well, what is it about these bones? Why mention these bones? Well, it turns out and in the Bible, the bones have a symbolic value that we don't often think of today. The bones of a, an animal or a person were thought to represent his very essence, his very self. It was a symbol alongside of other symbols, for example, the soul. In some passages, the soul is used to represent the whole person, like when David in Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and he's talking about himself. But also there are passages that talk about bones representing the whole person. Bones literally uh, provide the structure for the body. We even have that expression when we talk about old homes. If you, if you go and have a look at an old home that you maybe you think about purchasing, then someone might say, well, the, the home needs a renovation, but the bones of the home are good. They're solid. Even for us, it's a kind of a metaphor for the structure of the home. 
And so they came to represent the, a person's life among the Israelites. Psalm 35, for example, David says there, All my bones say, O Lord, who is like you? So when the people are forbidden or were forbidden to break any of the bones of the slaughtered and roasted lamb, they were taught that the only substitute that God would accept on their behalf was one that was entirely whole and perfect, one whose very life essence remained intact even into death. So the lamb had to be sacrificed, the lamb was put to death, but its bones couldn't be broken. Its life was somehow representatively intact. And that's what we see in the lamb at the Lord's Supper. John tells us elsewhere in his gospel that Jesus is the lamb of God. So he's making connections here within his own gospel. All those, those many Passover lambs through the years all pointed ahead to Jesus, the, the great final lamb of God. And when that Lamb of God painted not a doorway but the cross with His blood, when He went through the fires of hellish agony and the wrath of God while hanging there on the cross in the darkness, when He did this without ever having sinned Himself and without anyone breaking any of His bones, then Christ He brought to fulfillment all the symbols of the Passover and all the requirements of God's justice. It was a way of saying Jesus brought a complete sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice in every way, shape, and form. Jesus died, but none of His bones were broken as a picture that His, his life remained intact even into death. Yes, His body lay breathless in the tomb and His heart stopped beating in the grave, but deep inside the Christ held intact by His own divine power, lay His hidden life. The divine life of the Son of God, which had the ability to pick up His dead body and bring it to life again, which had the ability to bring about for His people a complete salvation. For that's the other angle that Psalm 34 brings out. Slightly different nuance there. David is speaking in that psalm about the Lord rescuing a righteous man, a righteous man who's under oppression. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones, not one of them is broken. God keeps the bones of the righteous man. Here the picture is not about bringing a complete sacrifice, but of preserving the inner life or, or the strength of a man. That's another nuance in this imagery. In the Bible, bones could represent a person's life generally, but also more particularly could represent a person's health, strength, his vitality. When someone was suffering and their physical strength deteriorating, they might speak of their bones wasting away. We have that in Psalm 6. We have it in Psalm 32. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. We sang it from Psalm 51. 
David says, let the bones you have crushed leap up in dances. Now, David's bones were not literally crushed. And in Psalm 32, they were not literally wasting away. But these are poetic ways of saying that his person, he felt sick through and through. He was weak. He was of, of terrible health. And he's saying, Lord, let me rise up in good health to, to dance in the joy of forgiveness. So when the Lord promises to keep the bones of the righteous despite his many afflictions, the Lord is promising to preserve the man's health, strength, and life. Such a person, man or woman, may be led to suffer many things, but God will not snuff out his child's life. The core of his strength will be kept safe. His health will be maintained and eventually restored. And is that not also what the Lord Jesus experienced? Psalm 34 is fulfilled in Him, right? I mean, He is the righteous man, more so than anyone else who ever lived. And He's the righteous man who suffered tremendous afflictions, all undeservedly. Jesus, as the righteous man, only ever obeyed the Lord with love in His heart, and yet He was put through trial and temptation, put through suffering and torture, abandonment even unto death. And yet, despite that, that mountain of affliction and oppression, the Lord kept His bones safe. Jesus died on the cross and yet his heavenly Father, in his secret way, preserved the strength of his life so that Jesus could, on the third day, take up his life again. Jesus died, but he didn't disappear. He gave up his last breath on the earth, but his spirit went to be with his Father above. And at the appointed time on the third day, Jesus, the Son of God and the righteous man, he, by his own power, placed his soul back inside his own bones and flesh and literally took up his life again. His life was restored. His strength was restored. Neither Satan nor the world nor death itself could break the bones of our Savior. And for that reason, brothers and sisters, your life and my life, your strength and my strength will also be preserved completely by Christ, preserved through every last affliction we suffer. Remember that when you eat the bread and drink the wine. The broken bread means that Jesus' body was crucified unto death, but it does not mean that his bones were broken. Exactly the opposite. His body was crucified, yes, but his bones were kept safe. His earthly life sacrificed, but his eternal life preserved, and so is yours. His death is a complete payment for your sins and mine. His bones, His strength have now been completely restored 
to full health and perfect strength as an example and as a pledge, a promise to us. The same will happen to you, my people, to you who believe in me, to you who belong to me, says Jesus. You see, you as a Christian, me as a Christian, you are joined, you are united together with Jesus by faith. Just as surely as you eat the bread and it goes into your body and becomes one with you, and just as surely as you take the wine or the, the grape juice and drink it and it becomes one with you, so you become and are one with Jesus by the working of the Holy Spirit. And that has beautiful consequences. It means that what has happened to Jesus in His rising from the dead to life everlasting, evermore, that's going to happen to you and me too. You and I will be complete. We will be whole again so that our bones will rise up to sing His praises forever. You know, there's a lot of broken things in this world. There's a list of them in the bulletin today, and there'll be another list next week. Whatever is broken in this world, whatever is broken in your life, a broken bone, a broken body, a broken relationship, a broken heart, Jesus will restore it all and give you and me complete salvation. Not one of our bones will remain broken because none of Jesus' bones were ever broken. This meal guarantees that. Amen.